science and tech, Mark Zastro, science journalist here in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. We're going to talk about the gene that made humans long-distance runners. Very timely, as we've just seen the marathon world record smashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, SpaceX says it's flying someone to the moon. But who? That's an interesting question. Um, uh, but we're going to start with a future in which we might be able to just administer our own vaccines and we can get these vaccines in the mail. And this could be right in front of us, really, not in the far future either, Mark. Yeah, not too far off uh, because uh, some researchers have actually used, they've actually uh, developed one of these vaccines that could be used in this way and has actually passed some clinical trials. This was a paper out just last week in the journal Science Advances. And uh, if you think about, say, conventional vaccines, you know, the main reason that we can't get them in the mail, that we have to go to a clinic to have them administered is because they have to be injected. You know, the needle has to pierce your muscle for the vaccine to be effective. So the main idea here is to come up with a vaccine that you could administer just through a skin patch. And that patch would have tiny micro needles that just pierces the outer layer of your skin. Uh, the trick is, of course, you have to design a vaccine that would be effective in this strategy. And so that's what uh, these researchers in the U.S., Canada, and Israel have begun to do. What exactly does that entail? Uh, so it has to meet two requirements. Uh, the first one is that you have to be able to design uh, this type of vaccine quickly to respond to new viruses. And you have to be able to produce then tens of millions of doses in, in just a few weeks. And you can't do that with conventional vaccines because the standard way to manufacture them is to let them incubate inside of eggs, right? You inject the virus into a chicken egg and you let it sit there and replicate. And that's how we've manufactured vaccines for 70 years, uh, but it's pretty slow. It can take up to six months to actually you know, build up the stock you would need to fight a pandemic. So this team used a newer approach. It's called a recombinant vaccine. And it doesn't involve eggs. Uh, instead, you combine the vaccine virus with a virus that can replicate inside of another organism like insects or plants. And so in this case, they actually used tobacco. Uh, a Canadian company has developed a system to, to replicate these viruses uh, in these vaccines, I should say, in tobacco plants. And so by growing tobacco infused with this recombinant virus, they can harvest 30 million doses in just a month. So to demonstrate this, they actually use the system to develop a vaccine that protects against the H5N1 flu virus. And this is also a situation where, you know, it's applied through the skin. That's not necessarily an easy task. Right. You actually have to make the vaccine work in that way as well. And the key part here isn't so much the virus that you use, but the chemicals that you add to the virus to enhance the vaccine, to stimulate the immune system to produce more antibodies. So that's called the adjuvant, and it's usually a mineral or a, a mineral oil. And the one that they used in this trial is actually the first one that can be administered to humans through the skin. So they actually, you know, they carried out these clinical trials. They tested this vaccine. They found uh, that it worked on ferrets. So in this animal trial, it was uh, totally effective. And then they also found that it was safe in humans. Uh, so that's a, a big step forward. Uh, obviously, more trials will be coming to see how effective it is in humans. But being able to mail vaccines out would be a very powerful way to fight a pandemic. Because, I mean, as we saw here during the MERS outbreak three years ago, one of the worst places to be when an infectious disease is spreading is to be sitting in a, hosp sitting in a hospital waiting room uh, when you know everyone is coughing and sneezing on you. Uh, so this would be a big improvement. You could stay at home and just administer it there. 
Let's now talk about running. Uh, I've just been looking again at the world record victory for Eliud Kipchoge. Uh, at this Berlin Marathon we've just seen recently, he recorded a time of two hours, one minute and 39 seconds. That was uh, actually a world record by over a minute, which is astonishing in itself. But it also raises the question, how far are we away from someone doing a marathon? That's 42 kilometers or 26.2 miles in under two hours. Now, you're not going to answer that question today, but it is a fascinating <laughs> one. Can you it imagine? Is. I mean, so over that distance, he was running uh, less than three minutes, one kilometer, more mm-hmm. than 20 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an incredible pace to keep up, obviously. I mean, I, people would struggle to do that for... Well, people would definitely struggle to keep it up for like half a kilometer. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to. It's just stunning. <laughs> so how do we reach this point, even um, if you're not quite at that level? Uh, apparently, there's a single gene mutation from two or three million years ago that has uh, helped some people be pretty good long-distance runners. Yeah, actually, the, the ability to run long distances like that, it's, it's actually one of the defining characteristics of human biology compared to other primates. Uh, in terms of human evolution, you know, this was actually one of the earliest techniques that humans used to hunt, right? It's called persistence hunting. They would not run faster than their prey in a sprint, but they would just run them down in the, in the midday heat for 30 or 40 kilometers. Uh, and that method of hunting is still practiced even today by some tribes in Africa. So long distance running, it's literally in all of our DNA, whether you're a long distance runner or not. And I'm definitely not. So uh, I have to take the scientist's word on this that I do have it in my DNA. <laughs> Uh, but according Obviously, to this for new some study, people, it's more obvious than others. <laughs> right. Uh, according to this new study, it's a, it could be down to a single mutated gene that gave us this ability. It's called CMA or CMAH, and it's a gene that builds a sugar molecule called sialic acid. And most primates have this gene, but humans don't. We actually have a broken version of this gene, and that has a very profound effect on human biology. We've got to move on to our last story. SpaceX says it's making a big announcement, a true moonshot. That's right. At uh, 6 p.m. U.S. Pacific time or just 10 a.m. coming up here in Korea, uh, SpaceX says that they will reveal the identity of a person who is paid to be the first commercial space tourist to fly around the moon. SpaceX says they plan to use their upcoming rocket, the Big Falcon rocket, uh, to send this person on a round trip. They won't actually, of course, land on the moon. They'll just slingshot around it and uh, come back. But we still don't know who it's going to be. Exactly. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation, of course, about who it might be. Someone asked Elon Musk if it was him on Twitter, and he replied with a Japanese flag emoji. So people have been, you know, scouring the internet trying to look up Japanese billionaires uh, who might have the funds and the, the, the health to actually pay for this trip. Interesting. Is, is this more of a cryptic clue, though, somehow? I wonder. Well, there's something about he, that flag. Right, but, yeah, can we take it at face value? It seems sure. just almost too obvious for him if he's trying to provide a clue. For some reason, the first person I thought of was Donald Trump. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't see that actually happening. Well, he probably has the resources to, maybe, to make it happen if he really wanted to. Maybe if he doesn't have a second term in office, that would be a good way to enter retirement. Yeah, probably. Fly to the moon. Yeah. He'd want to make sure he's got the return trip booked. There'd be a few people who wouldn't mind leaving him there at this point, although that sounds horrific, doesn't it? But it's uh, it, it's 
going to be an interesting few days for him here on Earth too, seeing if uh, we can get that North Korea-US dialogue process back underway. Thank you very much, Mark Zastra. Thank you, Alex.